0: 100.7 FM WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday at 10 AM. Sumner County Spotlight, exclusively by FNM Bank. 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville FN;M Bank offers personal banking business banking and mortgage loans too. right here in Hendersonville FNM Bank is one of the top independent banks in Tennessee. member FDIC equal housing lender. MMLS number 518158. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlights Tony Richards.
1: Good morning and welcome to Sumner County Spotlight. I'm your host, Tony Richards, and Sumner County Spotlight brought to you every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. right here on the new WHIN. And we'd like to thank our sponsors, F&M Bank at myfmbank.com or also at their location at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. And right now we're excited to have the uh, District 44 representative of the state of Tennessee,
2: uh, Republican William Lambert. And William, welcome to the program. Well, Tony, thank you so very much for having me on today. I really appreciate it. And you guys are here in an absolutely beautiful location. For those that have not uh, been down here before, you're right here on the streets of Indian Lake. Yes. And uh, this is in my legislative district and is uh, this is home to me. And so I just really love this area and I've watched it grow over my lifetime. Uh, but you're say. in an absolutely beautiful location here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. We're uh, you know, just trying to be more visible and be more of a part of the community. And one of the things we do on this program is having folks on like yourself. And so why don't we uh, just get to know you a little bit, and and tell us a little bit about you and your family, where you're from, and where you went to school, and the whole the whole
2: backstory of William Lambert. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, uh, first and foremost, again, I want to say thanks for having me on, and it is really just an honor to represent the district that. Has been home my whole life. Um, in fact, my family's been here about five generations. My mother went to Innisfil High School. Dad went to White House. I graduated Portland. Um, I'm the oldest of four children, and uh, all of my younger siblings went to Portland. And then my little brother actually transferred up and went to Merrill Hyde. So we've kind of covered mm-hmm. everywhere but yeah. Gallatin in this county. Yeah, so, what's going on? Uh, I don't know. We don't have <laughs> none of my none of my uh, family's ever gone to Gallatin, but. Uh, that's where my law office is now. So what I do for a living is I'm an attorney mm-hmm. and used to be an assistant district attorney and ran for state representative. And they don't, they won't let you do both those things at the same time. So yep. I couldn't be state representative and assistant district attorney. So um, I, I quit probably one of the best jobs I'll ever have. I loved being a district attorney because I felt like you could go into court every day and just do the right thing, just help mm-hmm. people, just try to make sure that our community is safer in every single decision that you make. And so I try to do that same thing as a state representative. And You mean um, follow the law? What a novel concept absolutely <laughs> well and, and as state rep try to mold the law and, and yeah. that really is the goal because i mean you know my father and his father and his father before him and and beyond um, all, you know, worked and raised a family right here in Sumner County. And we have so many folks, and you mentioned the growth of our area, that are moving to this area um, because it's a safe community, because we have good mm-hmm. schools, because there's still opportunity for growth here for small businesses. And and those are all reasons on, again, why I ran for State Rep- Representative to begin with is because I want to make sure that my kids and your kids and everyone else have a community that they can be proud of and that they can choose to be in this community. Because again, mm-hmm. that's what I when I graduated Portland High School, I went off to the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, mm-hmm. uh, first generation college student. Uh, we, we've always been a family of small business owners and farmers specifically. So you just worked. And, that's oh, that's all we deal, did. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the whole In fact, I, I grew up on a hog farm. Uh, mm-hmm. we had 6500 head of hogs when I was a kid. That, my uh, cousin's a hog farm. He's got 7500. Oh, so yeah. I'm very familiar. Oh you, you know. With,
1: he taught me the fine art of trying to ride one. That didn't work out so no,
2: well. No, I never tried that, Not but easy. I mean, yeah. But we ju- we just tried to grow them as big and as fat as we possibly could sure. so you could sell them for for good bacon and sausage. But I mean, yeah. it uh, you know, growing up like that, it really is um, a team effort from the smallest kid in your family all the way up to the you know, the oldest, uh, you know, grandmother It's all hands on deck. It really is. And so that, that helped, I think, mold just kind of the way I look at the world. Um, because every single day, you could never get everything done that you need to. Yeah. Uh, but you've got to try to shove everything you can into, you know, before the center comes up, to long effort goes down, to just mm-hmm. get the job done. Um, because the next day is going to bring challenges you never anticipated.
1: So when you went to UT, was it your ambition to be an attorney at that point? Or did you just oh. go to school and then kind of? figure it out as you were there? or No,
2: I, I I am the last person in the world that would have ever dreamed I would wind up wearing a suit and tie to work every day and being a an attorney for a living and, and having the honor of serving as state rep. Uh, that definitely was not a goal. Um, it's what God had in store, obviously, uh, for me, but it, it wasn't something that I thought was in the cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just, I had studied hard during school. Um, again, I had learned the value of hard work on the farm and um, just kind of a natural progression. I'd gotten good grades. I had good test scores. I I was one of those kids that, you know, I could read through the material pretty quickly. I always enjoyed Mm -hmm. reading just as as kind of in my spare time. And as a hobby, I always loved diving into books and it helped my reading comprehension, I think, so that I could do better on tests. That's one of the things that we're trying to change right now in our educational system is we have so many children that don't read at grade level um, because many of them don't do that for fun. Um, for me that was something that my, my parents ingrained in me very early on and, and I think it's just part of that farm life as well, is not to be glued to a computer screen or a TV yeah. or anything like that. To you know, if you want recreation, get outside and have a good time or at the very least, you know, get you a good book and, and dive into it. Use your imagination. So anyways, that I think really helped me through my educational journey. Um, so again I went off to UT neither my parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles or cousins had ever gone to a four-year institution you were the rookie I was and the guinea pig Uh, I'm proud to say all all three of my siblings after me uh, pursued higher education in a variety of forms some at UT some at other institutions but Mm -hmm. um, they they went beyond high school into you know excelling in their academic journeys but I was the first in my family Um, and then when I got to the end of My journey at UT, I had majored in political science, uh, which they don't tell you when you begin that that's not exactly a – a career field where you have a job uh, no. waiting for you afterwards. No, you
1: can't go to a classified ad and say, let's see, poli-sci major and wanted. No. Yeah, and they don't tell you that. <laughs> and They
2: really, really don't tell you that the first year when you're picking yeah. majors. I had a buddy <laughs> who took philosophy,
1: and he's like, you know, I looked in the newspaper, there There were no philosophers wanted.
2: <laughs> no, there's really not. Uh, so, you know, and all jokes aside, I mean, it really is kind of a, a tragedy that we have a, a whole generation of children, and I was right in the middle of all that, that were told, well, if you'll just go off and get a four-year degree, then there's all these jobs waiting out mm-hmm. there, and you're going to make so much much more money than your peers. Now, look, there's a ton of guys and gals I graduated high school with that didn't go to a four-year degree, and they make a lot more money than I make right now. You know, um, and I'm proud of them. Well, but and I, mean, I yeah. and
1: I'm glad, and we can dive into some of the legislation mm-hmm. and different things going on. But you know, there's no question that uh, trades are are coming back. Thank goodness, you know, shop class and and wood shop and metal shop. And you know, at the end of the day, you still have to make things. You can't just hop on a CAD program and you know make the world. You you do need to practically physically make it. So um, we'll dive into that. But yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, we're be, kind but kind of out of the same mm-hmm. cloth. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you, we're doers. You know, we had to get out there. There was no choice.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, and and that really is though, I mean, it's, it's, it's part of who I am because that's what, um, you know, uh, we, we can talk about this in a few minutes, but you know, when I graduated Portland high school, the vocational education center was right there next to the high school. And all of us went through those classes. I mean, you know, we were all in, you had to take something in in my day. So, and and if you were going to go on and be a brain surgeon, you know, we still at that point through the educational system, still wanted you to be able to understand like how a sink worked or like, you know, how to use a hammer. Right. I mean, it was just important to have the well-rounded education, and, and and we can get into this a few minutes, but I'm just so tickled that here in Tennessee we're getting back to that. So yeah. Yeah. I got to the end of five years of undergraduate education, and again loved UT. Um, I tell people all the time I went in on the three-year plan and left five years later. I liked it there. <laughs> uh, you didn't work anywhere. I didn't have to work anywhere near as hard at college as I did on the farm. And by the way, right. I worked you know nights at restaurants, and I worked during the summers in Atlanta. You know, mowing well, lawns sort of sitting around wasn't you know. exactly uh, the way you were raised. No, no. <laughs> I knew wow, either Tony I I can tell but it, you know but it still wasn't it was an enjoyable experience to really kind of stretch your mind and learn yeah. and be exposed to well the that's folks what college is for place. you know mm-hmm.
1: it, you know learn about yourself and the world
2: around you absolutely so but it, it but still when I got to the end of that uh, like you said, I mean, there was no way to, you know, pick up the classified ads and say, well, where does, you know, political science, where do you go to get a job for that? Right, so right. I talked with the academic advisor and they said, well, you can go to graduate school and teach. And that didn't sound very appealing, just wasn't what I felt led to do. And they said, well, you could look at law school. And 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 you ask was that my goal to go to law school? It really wasn't. I mean, I got up all the way to school, but as you looked
1: at your four years, whatever, and you're looking back on, well, these are all the things I took, and it lended itself pretty well for law school. Then
2: it did. At least that's what my advisor felt. They felt like Mm -hmm. you know that I had taken some courses that were a lot of you know reading intensive materials and writing intensive, and that you know they had done well in those. Um So I, I thought that I would, you know, see what that was like. And so I applied to different law schools, got into several, and uh in fact, got into UT and, and several others. But uh a friend of mine had mentioned that William & Mary was the oldest law school in the country, and right there in Williamsburg, Virginia. Yeah. So I applied at Great William & Mary, was blessed to get in. Oh, it's beautiful, it's and I'm absolutely, you've been there. Yeah, it's
1: one of the oldest and most beautiful places. Yeah, I mean, I know a couple guys that were there. It, it's it's a special place. There's no question. And there are lots of those. I'm not mm-hmm, saying there aren't. Mm-hmm. But that that one sort of, over the years, has just flown under the radar, and everyone knows it, though. They, oh, yeah. When you mention it, to- oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, and
2: see, and at that point in my life, I'd, I'd never heard of William and Mary. I mean, and if I had, it had been in passing in some mm-hmm. you know history book or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the undergraduate school was founded in 1693. Yeah, it's
1: just so incredibly historical. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's well it just, before the founding it just, of our country. You know, oozes on you when you get there. There's just no way around it. It's yeah. just so. Uh, it's
2: really an amazing. Well, and amazing you mentioned place. it oozes on you when you get there. So. When I visited Williamsburg, it it definitely had me hook, line, and sinker. I mean, yeah. I just I, I walked into Williamsburg and I thought, wow, it feels so historic. Yeah. It, it and when you start looking at the history of yeah. the, of the, the and that's not for everyone. But
1: but you know, if you're into that, it's pretty it's pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, it, it was amazing for me. And uh, so very early on, I mean, I, I felt like William and Mary was, you know, was really um, where I was destined to be. And I looked at different schools, like I said, and everything else. And they had offered me a little bit of scholarship money to attend law school there, mm-hmm. which helped quite a bit. Sure. Um, and so I did two things in order to prepare for that. Um, I moved the day I graduated from UT to Williamsburg. And and within a couple of didn't days, waste that, any time. You know I didn't waste any time. I moved straight there, packed everything I could up into my little, you know, rundown uh, vehicle and uh, and drove straight over to Williamsburg. And I rented a hotel for like a week till I found an apartment, and all that. So I, d- I did two things. I had worked at Outback Steakhouse um, during some undergrad time. Mm-hmm. And so I went and I, I transferred up to Williamsburg and was working at a restaurant there at Outback uh, before I even had an apartment. And so I started a job and I walked into the dean's office at that time Taylor Reevley and I said, "Hey, look, I'm going to be going to school here this fall and I'd like to work here at the school. I'd like to get to know it some and just, you know, what can I do?"
1: That was a good move. So, yeah, you well, kind it, of get the lay of the land before school starts. Oh,
2: absolutely. And yeah. it turned out to be invaluable information. It really helped me just to kind of get a feel for what it was it, what it was all about. And then I really spent the better part of three years studying harder than I'd ever studied in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, law school is a very, very rigorous academic um, pursuit. Um, there's no about, doubt about it. I mean, it, it's 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 boot camp for your brain. I mean, yeah. it really is. Yeah. And so, but I enjoyed that process as well. And and again, worked restaurants and everything all the way through. Uh, worked some summer jobs at different um, different places, and, and in fact. Um, after I left, I actually interned at the Attorney General's office in Sumner County uh, for Ray Whitley. and uh, a a job later on.
1: You just mm-hmm. need to do that, and we tell that to every college kid. So um, we're getting ready to uh, go to our first break here real quick. We are talking with District 44 Rep. Uh, William Lamberth, and uh, we're glad you're here, William. We're going to get back uh, to the program here in just a few minutes uh, after we listen to our sponsors. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, Sounds Tony. good. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: Sumner County Spotlight brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank. We'll return after these messages. FNM Bank, serving Middle Tennessee since 1906. Visit them at myfmbank.com. And now back to Sumner County Spotlights, brought to you each Sunday morning exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard, Hendersonville. For all your banking needs, all in one place. Member FDIC.
1: Welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight this Sunday morning, brought to you by F&M Bank at com, and also at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in that nice, beautiful building, uh, F&M Bank in Hendersonville. So you want to check that out. Um, we are talking today with William Lamberth. He is the 44th District Rep for the state of Tennessee, which is kind of our area, Sumner County, Northern Sumner in particular. Is that correct?
2: Well, Northern Sumner and where we sit right Gallatin now. And and, so it, it, and, it, I cover... All of Portland and Westmoreland, and then about half of Gallatin and about a third of Hendersonville. These districts, I can't keep up, man. They're always moving them around.
1: Who knows? <laughs> Only every 10 years. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, well, William, we were talking a little bit about, you know, your college career and how you ended up uh, going to William & Mary and and uh, getting into law. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, your, your
2: experience at William & Mary and then mm-hmm. kind of what happened right after college there? Yeah, so again, William & Mary, I mean, I I put, you know, all of that work ethic and, you know, just years of learning um, that if you work hard at something and you pour everything you got into it, that it usually turns out pretty well. And so that's what I did at William & Mary, mean, I just really buckled down and studied hard, and I enjoyed the experience. Yeah, well, it didn't
1: sound like you're a guy who kind of is not assertive. You know, you clearly – I mean, if you're going to go – Get a part-time job at the university before you even start there. <laughs>
2: that's well, I, not somebody who wants to sit around. Yeah, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. I just I, I feel like if you're going to be a part of a community, then you be a part of that community, mm-hmm. uh, and that really is um, that. That's the. The citizen lawyer model that they actually teach at Women Mary too is that you know it, it's one thing to be an attorney in a in a community and make money as that and do that for a living, mm-hmm. but that's not enough. I mean, you you have to be more than that. You have to get involved in your community. You have to use whatever skills that you have, be it an attorney or a doctor or um, you know, a broadcaster or just anything. I mean, to just use your skills to help your community be community be stronger. So I, not only did I learn all of that while at Women Mary, but I also met the love of my life, uh, who is my wife, uh, Lauren, and we hmm. met went here in my second year of law school and her first year of law school. She's from New Jersey, and so okay. she was Georgetown undergrad and, and swam varsity there. She's a, a very, very adept swimmer and um i am not by the way so i mean you know uh my idea of swimming is you know being about you know uh, waist deep in the pool and tossing the kids you out did but.
1: teach her all about being a redneck and being a hog farmer though so i'll
2: bet you she she's learned a lot of things <laughs> about about my background in, in the south since since we got married and, and she moved here there you go um, so because when i left with mary i mean she still had a year left and and i was already you know, yeah so what
1: did you do in that type period in that year when you were done did you stay well there i bought her a big old, old ring, ring and put it on her
2: finger, so <laughs> <laughs> just to seal the deal before you You're, left out. Be- before she went back to Weber Mary for her third year, we were both uh, working in the Nashville area, and she was uh, uh, staying at a uh, place in Madison for the summer, and I was living with my folks during the summer, okay, yeah. Um, and actually, had just rented a little because <laughs> you had to come back to work. I had to come back to work not. exactly. Yeah. I yeah. had graduated and was studying for the bar, and but no, before she went back to Weber Mary, I, I definitely asked her if she would marry me, and she said yes, and so I we spent. Uh, the next, you know, eight or nine months actually apart, um, mm-hmm. in a long distance relationship. Because I, as you said, I mean, I had already graduated law school and I went to work. I actually went to work uh, for a short time, uh, less than six months, at the attorney general's office downtown doing criminal appellate work, and mm-hmm. that's mainly sitting at a desk, going through, um, you know, basically um, the details of a case. Mm-hmm. So you cover all the facts, you cover all the records, you cover all the arguments that were made at the trial level, and then you make an argument on the state's behalf at the appellate level. And so it was interesting, but I I was, I figured out very quickly I was not really designed to sit at a desk. Yeah. So I had interned at the Summer well, County District Attorney's Office. Well, it's probably a
1: good thing you did it so you, you knew – I can eliminate that piece. Absolutely. Well,
2: and and I'll tell you, the the state attorney general's office is a fantastic office. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's one of the largest law firms in the state, um, and they really do a fantastic job of representing the state of Tennessee. And I say that now even through the lens of a legislator who watches the work that they do. They really do a good job over there. So Mm -hmm. I am glad that I, I worked there for that time. Um, but about six months in, uh, you know, Ray Whitley, the again the elected district attorney here in Sumner County, who has been the district attorney since I was a child, um, called me and said, "Hey, you know, you interned here. We have a spot open. We'd love for you to come back." And, and I jumped at the opportunity to get into a courtroom. Um, I just felt like I really wanted to practice law in a way where I was dealing with people individually mm-hmm. and trying to make a difference, you know, really one situation at a time. Right. So instead of on more of an academic stand, standpoint where you're dealing with appellate cases and, and mm-hmm. really just kind of um, dealing with more of a, a bland subject matter, of just the this is sort of real life stuff here, exactly. You know, yeah, um, you know, it's real life in both, but it's different. Conflicts between people,
1: mm-hmm. families, residences, farms, et etc. So you never know.
2: Absolutely, you, yeah. You know. And I, I and guess again, that I was part of the, him, so. the appeal. Maybe was just because you didn't know what you were going to walk into that day. Yeah, you well, know? and it was it was who offered me a job straight out. And so when you you know when you graduate school, like a lot of young folks, I mean, you know, I came out with a decent amount of debt, and that that, that debt allowed me. That was an investment in my education, and allowed mm-hmm. me the opportunity to, to be an attorney. Um, so I am more than happy to pay that back and am doing so you know every month when we send our check in for our our student loan payments um, but at, at the same time i mean you I needed to get a job pretty quick out of law school right. I mean, I needed to go ahead and get to work, so the a g s office was kind enough to invite me to work there and then the DA's office and then like I said I, I worked there until I ran for state representative and have a little law firm there in Gallatin and that's what that's what pays that's what pays the bills now
1: so how long did you do that uh at that office mm-hmm. before you uh decided to get into politics
2: I was there for seven years uh-huh. okay and so and again really really enjoyed it and and my wife then later graduated William & Mary and went to work coincidentally at the attorney general's office oh, okay. <laughs> uh where she has been for 15 years uh, she has risen through the ranks there and worked in a variety of divisions, and and really has been attracted to really that academic pursuit of the law. Yep. Yep. Um, that you know, appellate law and brief writing and research. Well, you, she know, loves I don't think, that. you know, everyone.
1: It's just like any business. Uh, everybody has specialties, mm-hmm. and you sort of soar with those strengths. If that's what you're good at, that's great. Everybody needs that. And as you you know grow older, you understand what everybody brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, quite frankly, they may be better at that than
2: you. Or you know, oh, yeah. that's
1: that's that's kind of what you want. Well, I'll
2: be the first to say my, my wife is a much better writer than I am and so when it comes to actually you know um, filing motions with the court or anything else right. any, any type of you know kind of written argument for the law it's rare that I do not ask my wife to look it over before let I submit anything let me do anything. the oral part of it yeah just about I mean, well but just to get put another set of eyes on it if somebody who's genuinely just a very good writer mm-hmm. um, where you're just having them look at something to make sure that it, it reads in a way that you intended it for. Because there are people that have just a true talent. Um, and not to get too far off in a segue here, but we, we have an opportunity from time to time to go to the Songwriters Hall of Fame Induction Ceremony. We, we yep. have some friends that are involved in that organization. Mm-hmm. And one of our favorite events of the year is to see these songwriters. Yep, they who, just had that, didn't they? Oh, Yeah, they just um, did. We read I've been, this to, one. been to a couple. Yeah. But we're all very familiar with the artists that sing the songs, right. but it's the folks that Write those songs mm-hmm. that come up with it out of just nowhere. Right. I mean, just it, it's just about catching lightning in a bottle. And many of them do it over and over and over and over again. I mean, they may have eighteen or twenty major hits, mm, and nobody crazy. knows their name. Yep. Um, they know the different they artists. They cannot it.
1: fill a stadium. Yeah, uh, but they're fantastic. But it's all so of their property. It's
2: that type of of pursuit of the law that my wife enjoyed and really has excelled at it, and actually serves as a deputy attorney general downtown now.
1: Yeah, uh, that's so,
2: cool. and we have two children; they're ten and eight, Allison mm-hmm. and Pierce, and, and they both go to Portland. Yeah, uh-huh. Yep.
1: And daddy's, daddy's footsteps—they
2: are right there at Portland Gate. So how that? The, and
1: your wife may kill me for asking this—so how is the transition from New Jersey to Tennessee? Lou, well, My wife from, would take it, but you I don't that. know how often she got out and uh-huh. you know uh, went around the country because you know we're in flyover country here, buddy. Yep. So um, <laughs> people only stop in Nashville to get gas if they're going from DC well, to now, LA. Now Lou, you know?
2: we don't we don't we don't fly very many places. We drive everywhere. So I yeah. mean we have a little motorhome. We—that's mm-hmm. a conversation for another time. But we actually vacation uh, not in an airplane. We like to drive somewhere then you've really been there. Yeah. But my wife actually would tell you that they did not travel extensively um, when she was younger. They didn't take these big Griswold family vacations or right. things like that. Uh, her father was with AT&T. Um, her mother did not work outside the home. And so, um, but she's Jersey tough, though. But but she is, and they again. My wife, I think, would say that uh, she grew up in more the suburban to country part of Jersey, yeah. which as a Tennessean, I didn't know there was such a thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we visited where she grew up, and and, and striking enough, it's very similar to Henderson. Yeah. So it wasn't. I mean, just a kind of a suburban stretch. area. Nah, yeah. it really wasn't. I mean, yeah. you know, her her father had a garden in the backyard, and it, it is truly just kind of the suburban area, Somerset of New Jersey. Well,
1: you know, we're we're kids of World War II. The, the greatest generation, and mm-hmm. nobody worked harder than them, and they showed that to us, no oh, question yeah, absolutely. about it, and I'm sure that fell to her as well. So,
2: but I, I really was kind of curious as to whether or not my wife would transition, you know, from New Jersey, and then, of course, I mean, like I said, she went to Georgetown undergrad there in Washington, right. well, D.C. Well, just the pace. So, you know, yeah. yeah, but she's absolutely loved it. Um, I mean, every minute of it, and, and, and in fact, we've had an opportunity from time to time uh, just as we've gone throughout our careers to move to different parts of Sumner County or somewhere mm-hmm. else, and she's never really wanted to be more than about a mile and a half from Lambert road where i grew up uh, my, wow. my father crazy? Is, is william gary lamberth and yeah. he lives Right across the road from my grandfather. Well, you've been there a few was generations. The streets yeah. named after you. It is. You know, that's where the Lamberts <laughs> lived.
1: So that's how they named them.
2: That, you know? That's exactly what it is. So <laughs>
1: we are talking with District 44 Rep uh, William Lamberth. and we're going to come back in just a moment. We're up against our second break, and we'll talk a little bit more uh, with him and a little bit about uh, the State House and, and how all that works. And it's not a full time job. People think it might be. I'm sure there are a, full, a few full time gigs there, but uh, being a rep is not one of them. So there's lots to do, but it's designed that way so you can get out and, and talk to your representatives and, and, uh, and your folks that you represent and uh, really get the lay of the land. And we'll find out a little bit more about that next, right here on Sumner County Spotlight, brought to you by f Bank.
0: f is proud to be the exclusive sponsor of Sumner County Spotlight. We'll return with more of the show following these messages. And now back to Sumner County spotlights, brought to you each Sunday morning exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard, Hendersonville. For all your banking needs, all in one place. Member FDIC.
1: And welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight, brought to you by FNM Bank at myfmbank.com and 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. William Lambert, District 44 rep at uh, the state of Tennessee and here in Sumner County and uh, Lifer, Sumner County resident. And uh, why don't we talk a-, a-, a little bit about just you got married, you're, you're now living here, your wife has adapted a little bit, uh, you're in uh, law for seven plus years and now... Where'd the politics then come from? What is wrong with you?
2: <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. So um, my wife was pregnant with our second child um, when a friend of mine, Tommy Whitaker, uh, who's, you know, is the... The head guy at Farmers Bank, um, there in Portland, and Tommy had run had ran for a state representative years and years ago, and um, had really run and kind of gone on with his professional career. But is 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 one of my best friends and a great guy, and has always been you know kind of the the guy behind whoever's running a lot of times. Like he'll right. support people, he'll talk them up, write a check to help their campaign, encourage others to do so. But just one of those guys in kind of local Republican politics that you know every county, every district has got to have somebody like Tommy to really you know help the party continue you on and so Tommy had been watching I think you know politics and following it very closely for a long time Portland is his hometown and had known me since I was a kid And, and really it was not on the radar at all for me to run for state representative. A lot of people say that, but but I mean, I mm-hmm. had been deeply involved in the community. I'd been president of the Rotary Club and the Bar Association and other things. Um, but my goal was, look, I mean, I'm settled into a job that I love. I want to do it well. I want to be a good husband and father and just, you know, live life and, right. and just kind of take care of my family and, and hopefully do a good job at what I was doing professionally. Well, Tommy sat me down with the um, uh, the head of the Republican Party at the time, uh, Chris Devaney, who came up and we met and um, they sat me down for lunch, and Tommy said, you should run for state representative. And I said, Tommy, my wife's six months pregnant. I'd have to quit my job to do that. Mm-hmm. that, that that's crazy. I, why would I do that? I mean, I, I love our area. And oh, by the way, Mike McDonald's our state representative. I went to school with Mike's kids. <laughs> I mean, I, I know Mike. Why would I run against him? Mm-hmm. And Tommy said, look, you know, you need to run. You know, Mike's been down there 18 years. You know, it's time to just kind of change it up. And, and there, at some point, a Republican is going to win this seat. Uh, we had not had a Republican in, in specifically the 44th House District. Uh, since Reconstruction, there was one. And I shouldn't that say that of, there know, was Mike, one guy. Mike being there so long. And well, not just for Mike, while, but just really just... a series of just kind of Democrat um, mm-hmm. dominance within the state, uh, and it had happened throughout the state, where especially in, in rural and suburban Tennessee. You just didn't have a lot of Republicans that were elected. Well, there was one guy that had gotten elected when Winfield Dunn got elected governor, who was elected as state rep in the 44th district and immediately lost. So that was the only guy. Did um, even try to go for it? Absolutely. They, wow. Okay. And, and very rarely. And you're like, thanks so, for
1: bringing this opportunity. Well, to exactly.
2: So, I, I mean, you know, so, but Tommy told me, he said, look, you know, the the times are changing, so to speak, and Republican principles are, are more accepted in this area. And, you know, and plus. Well, it was a
1: different kind of Democrat mm-hmm. uh, thing back in the absolutely. 60s, 70s. Um, and even even Democrats from that era would say that I'm sure.
2: Oh yeah, I mean you're, yeah. your old school Southern Democrats, many 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 of them are are definitely voting Republican now. I mean yes. that has been a large part of what we've seen as part as, as far as the political shift in our state. Uh, and what's really ironic is that you know your your inner city and larger cities or urban areas are really the only bastions where Democrats have quite a bit of dominance still in those in those areas. What, what but, is your
1: not that we want to get into all kind mm-hmm. of philosophical stuff, but why what, what do you think that is? Happens everywhere. It doesn't matter. The bigger the center population of growth becomes, the more liberal things get. And yeah, I, I really I just, have no
2: idea. Um, to me, the same type of values that you know matter to us, um, matter to the folks that are in urban areas. I mean, they want to have, again, a you know a good school for their kid to go to. They want to have a good job. They want to have a safe community. Uh, they want to have an opportunity so that they have some upper mobility so that if they work hard, it really can pay off. I don't know that those just, are independent just, of rural, suburban, or urban areas. It just areas, grows it, and mm-hmm. it
1: gets so cost prohibitive mm-hmm. just to lead. Like you said, I just want to live a normal life. I want to raise my kids. I want to have good schools send them to. And I think everybody's like that. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, so with with all of the growth that um, not just Sumner, primarily Davidson, I guess, just because that's the the concentrated urban area. How is that changing with everybody moving here from the two ends of the country? Well, it's interesting you it's mentioned that. It's got to be the politics have got to be shifting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: And, um, and we'll get into that, but let me uh, – I should have finished my sentence a second, ago. Yeah, I apologize. Yeah. No. Uh, see, Tony, I love it. You wander like I do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. I'll go into all kind of different – You were talking about areas, the, the I, getting
1: you into this game. Well, I'll yeah. just
2: say, you know, so the end of that that statement was, you know, Tommy had asked me – To just think about it and pray about it, and he said, "Go home, talk to your wife about it." And he said, "You know, I just I I want you to seriously consider this." And and I had not done so before, and I had a lot of respect for Mike. I mean, again, you know, I, I. Again, I'd I known he and his family for a long time. He's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Didn't agree with some of the stances he had taken taken on some different issues. I mm-hmm. mean, I, but that happens That's really normal. with any yep. elected official. That doesn't sure. mean you dislike somebody just because you happen to disagree with them. Mm-hmm. So I did. I mean, I prayed about it. and went home and I talked to my wife about it. And, and I'm still convinced that Tommy must have called her before I got home <laughs> uh, because she was immediately on board. I mean, she just said, look, she said, this is our home. This is where you grew up. And you should absolutely run for state rep. And I said, well, you understand. It means I'll have to quit my job. I'll have to, you know, just try to hang out. A shingle and make a living however best I can um, because state rep, as you alluded to, I mean it pays about twenty grand a year. Yeah. Um, is what it pays to be a state but to representative get in there is a full time gig just to, to run and mm-hmm. to do
1: everything necessary to win an election. It doesn't matter whether you're Republican, Democrat, mm-hmm. Independent. There's that commitment that does anybody has to happen. that's
2: running for public office. If yeah. you're not willing to put in the hard work, you don't need to put your name on the ballot. I mean, because yeah. it is, it's a lot of hard work. But we knew that, and again, we're, we're neither of us, my wife or I, either won. While she didn't grow up on a farm, again, she grew up in competitive swimming. And if you've ever known anyone who has been involved in competitive swimming, um, it's hard work all day, every day. I mean, it just is. I mean, they're in the pool all the time. And it takes Mm -hmm. a certain dedication that is above and beyond anything else to to really compete at that level. Mm -hmm. And, again, she'd swam varsity at Georgetown. So all that aside, um, you know, we made the decision at that time that was early in the summer before um, the election year. So that would have been in 2011. And um, I just felt like it was something that I should offer myself up for to just see if I could serve. And there was enough leeway for you to get in, do Mm -hmm, all the mm -hmm. prep work necessary and all Mm -hmm. of that. So we spent the next few months, I mean, really just kind of talking to a few folks about it and thinking about it. And then really in kind of late fall, early winters when we launched the campaign and began raising money. And and that went very well. Uh, I'll tell you one of my happiest memories of that. And my my grandmother has has passed since then. Uh, In fact, she never had an opportunity to vote for me. She passed just before the election. Mm-hmm. um but uh my, my grandfather my grandmother have never given to a political campaign in their lives mm-hmm. until i ran for state representative and i remember they they actually sat me down and gave me a check i think it was five hundred dollars um for the campaign and there mm-hmm. were so many folks that had you know teachers and Isn't farmers that and business owners I mean, I that people, contributed i think people forget how
1: unnerving that is when you first do it for the first time because you're You're asking people for money. It's not a natural kind of thing. Well, and it's not
2: like you're asking them to give money for, like, you know, if you give... You know, uh, if if you had a five dollar bill to the clerk and you get some change and a gallon of milk, well, you got a gallon of milk. Yeah, and when you when you contribute you get, to a uh, campaign, yeah. you're you're contributing to, to hopefully somebody doing a good job. Right. Like that's all it is is to mm-hmm. help them get their message out. And if they get elected, that hopefully they'll do a good job. But you don't gain anything tangible from it. Right. And so it was it's really your, just it's phenomenal.
1: your way of also helping your community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because yep. people can do that in many ways. You don't have to re- necessarily run for office. Mm-hmm. In in order to contribute. If it's something you truly believe in, go for it. You know, help out in any way you can.
2: And that's what it takes. I mean, it really does. And so, you know, it was kind of off to the races from there. And, and, I'm, and I'm glad to say that, um, you know, we, we went through, uh, I guess, the better part of – eight or nine months in which, you know, I was running against Mike, but it really wasn't in the the thick of things. Mm-hmm. And a couple of weeks before the filing deadline he actually opted not to run again. And so there was another gentleman that, that did run on the oh, Democratic ticket. And At that's who I actually won. Okay. And uh, you know, I I I won my first election against him instead of instead of against my uh, predecessor Mike McDonald, and, and he and I are still friends to this day. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to not have to run against yeah. somebody that that you'd grown up with their kids. You know, because sometimes campaigns can get a little dicey, and yeah. it's just part of it. And so, yeah. um, and a lot of those, but was just you know, with him being there ideas. for eighteen
1: years, he knew, mm-hmm. he knew that, and I'm sure he. You know, well, I'm, and look,
2: I went dove hunting with Mike, you know, and several other guys, you know, just uh, I guess a month or two ago. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's still good to see him. Saw him the other day at something. I mean, it's just is nice to have a good relationship. Not doing it? I think he is. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I mean, you know that's he a has kids and grandkids, and after eighteen years, I mean, this is not anything that anybody's in, intended to do forever. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's not what the founders intended. That's right. not what anybody. Eighteen years is a good long service to our, to our county. And, In fact, we named a, a big section of one hundred nine between Gallatin and Portland after Mike because of that. Um, so then, you know, really it was from that point forward, I mean, it was just a matter of serving and, and trying to come up with, you know, uh, not just come up with, but but actually sponsor and push for ideas that, that meet those same things you and I are talking about to make mm-hmm. sure that Sumner County and really uh, to a greater degree, Tennessee, has the ability to have good schools, safe communities, have the opportunity for folks to, you know, either develop a business or grow a business here, and mm-hmm. and that's I, I tell people all the time: if you live, work, and play in Sumner County, you don't have to worry about traffic. I right. mean, because you're right here, right? Especially so, you get to
1: stay and stay and work here, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, maybe a little bit on Gallatin Pike and or Nashville Pike, but not depending much. on where you are or Main Street. Um, but um, so let. Why don't we talk a little? We were kind of diving into a little bit about how the area is changing. Um, what are you noticing? I mean, what what, what is so, happening? So, I mean, it,
2: there's no doubt about it that we have changed. I mean, especially in the last 50 years here in Hendersonville. Um, I mean, it's gone from being a very rural area to a suburban area. Um, now we're still definitely not an urban area, but I mean, this uh, you know you can you can look here just at the streets of Indian Lake on what's changed from the time that they built this area mm-hmm. with a lot of retail and restaurants. Yeah. So now there's more businesses in here of a yeah, variety the whole, of the different whole types. corridor right here. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. and the reason for that is is because you know we really don't have, and you can talk to any of the restaurants around. We don't don't have a huge lunch crowd here mm-hmm. in hendersonville we we actually need more businesses and corporate offices and and that type of activity yeah. for us to have a a full community now gallatin and portland have quite a few manufacturers and businesses and small businesses as well as the residential and it makes for a nice mix there right. with really hendersonville growing up with primarily retail and residential yeah and so it's it's the next step and I, i've Talked to the mayor about this and several city councilmen and everything else. Some more sort of that white collar end. things that we're, uh, absolutely yeah. Hendersonville has that opportunity. Williamson County has done a very good job of that, where they have and with, right. with Amazon coming in with yep. Mitsubishi with everything else coming to the Middle Tennessee well, they area. Just, we've got know, a chance. They also chance had at that. a
1: little more green space than we did because Hendersonville was uh, number one closer to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Number two it was the first one as you head out of town. So of course it's going to have you know, in the fifties I'm sure you know, uh, Nashville Pike and Main Street was just. Like, you can just drive up and down it. Absolutely, auto parts places and this and that and the other. They, they were taking care of their community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's changed now. Um, and so what? How? But that's can what you what we do see as the business step. districts, or what do? You, how well, do you? Well, not necessarily
2: business districts. I mean, that's that's up to the local folks and how they deal with that. But really, what mm-hmm. we do on the state level is Hendersonville is so so very attractive uh, for different corporations and business headquarters, and it's just the the proximity to nashville yeah. and to the and airport, i think there's a whole slew else, of residents perfect. here that would love not to
1: commute mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. they didn't
2: have to so if there was so a, an opportunity here they'd we have got that opportunity here to continue to grow the retail and restaurants and residential but also to to really attract some of those corporate entities here to have more of their offices here and, and to really attract those high-level jobs yeah in the time that i've been state state representative we've seen the unemployment rate drop in half to, to virtually a third of what it was when i first came in yeah. and, and that's been on purpose i mean we've really tried to attract those jobs here both from an agrarian standpoint to you know your standard manufacturing, which is no longer standard. We were talking about vocational education right. earlier. Um, when I went through, and it was vocational education. Yes, it was about swinging a hammer. If you're building a house with a hammer out there, you're you're yeah. way behind the times, yeah. man. You're yeah. a couple decades exactly. back. It's it's all much it's more all Digital printers advanced.
1: and all kinds of things. Oh, absolutely.
2: And I mean nail guns. And, I mean you know so pneumatics does, and all this.
1: How does this work? Where the local and state governments work together to create something like that? So mm-hmm. you were mentioning Williams County. You know, you got Nissan and now Mitsubishi, which is owned by Nissan. and mm-hmm. A lot of people mm-hmm. may not know that. But So you may get the first inkling of somebody snooping around. Is that how you mm-hmm. kind of work together? Say, hey, this might work in this area because you're from here. You know where it might fit. You mm-hmm. know where you might have land opportunities, access, highway,
2: sewer, whatever. So it's the same way it works for anything else. And that's the beauty of it is that, you know, literally I was talking to a corporation that's um, currently in another state right now. Mm-hmm. And they were talking to me about uh, just an issue that they had here in Tennessee. They were in there in my office with their lobbyists, and it was their CEO. And, in fact, I had the same conversation with a lot of the Amazon top brass when they were first coming here. Yeah. And just – just any chance I get and any chance most of our folks get, we will brag on Sumner County, brag on Tennessee, yeah. and say, look, Just you, let know, me in you the shouldn't room. be. Absolutely. <laughs> Just give us a shot to earn your business, so to speak. And, and from the governor all the way down to the the newest employee, we really try to do that. And so, And it has paid off. It paid off with Beretta and Gallatin. I mean, Beretta is a signature company to come. I mean, they've been making weapons so long, I think the first ones they made were spears, okay? (laughs) I mean, and I'm exaggerating, but they've been around forever. But they left a state that was not friendly to firearms, that didn't Mm -hmm. have a good tax environment, and it was simply a good business decision. Uh, I've had folks ask me, well, you know, Amazon's coming and they claim the jobs that they're bringing, the 5,000 they're bringing to Nashville are 150,000 plus. Well, yeah, right. Do they have 150 and the rest of them yeah, are 40,000? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it really is. Yeah. We got their cream of the crop. We yeah. got their upper echelon jobs. So those are the folks that we're chasing right now because with unemployment in, in Sumner County, between two and a half to 3%, it hovers back and forth. Um Everybody that wants a job has got a job, is, but what they may not have now, is the job that that will pay them, that will pay them enough money to really provide for their family. So right. wages are now rising because unemployment's low, and that's where we're headed.
1: At what time? At, at what point does your greatest strength become your your greatest weakness? In that unemployment is low mm-hmm, and it's going to mm-hmm. go lower. Um, does that make us less competitive in Tennessee? I guess now we've got this other issue, mm-hmm. workforce. What are we going
2: to do here? So it doesn't um, make us less competitive. What it does do is that we get the best businesses now. So before, if we could just get anybody to come right. here. I mean, we were just desperate now to get not, folks to be the a jobs. Well, if you
1: want Bingo. people that want to make over 60 or 75 grand a year, this is where we, so you can kind of look at these wages and mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. what to shoot for and and let the other
2: ones go to yep. uh, And if businesses are expecting to come not here, not that we turn and, anything down, but we don't, know. but I mean what we do hope is that businesses that are coming here will pay folks a, a a, a wage that they can provide for their families. And attract them away from a, something else they're already doing. Absolutely. And the way we can do that, I mean, they can pay our folks a higher wage because we have much lower taxes here. Yep. Uh, we have some of the lowest tax, I mean, the lowest in tax environment for businesses or individuals in the entire
1: country. Well, I mean, hey, you know, I'm a I'm a red state guy up in Indiana where I'm from, and they do have that along with 8 million other taxes like mm-hmm. most states. But um, that that state... Employment tax every month that I got to crank out is mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. a low number.
2: Yeah. And it but, I mean, does, here, you no know, it does tax, weigh no. on
1: businesses. So mm-hmm. is there any, um, uh, we probably need to come up in another break here, but I want to ask you. Is there, is there a point where we're not just waiting for people who are snooping around looking? Are we actually saying, hey, they're a target because they're in a state that's outrageously high oh, taxes? Oh, look, we do that all the you time. Know. Yeah, okay. And, I didn't and, know kind of how that worked. Oh,
2: all the time. And in fact, Governor Bill Lee will tell you, who's, who's become a very good friend I mean, friend there's a target eye. rich environment out there somewhere. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, look, anytime they're going to another state, anytime he's at a conference, anytime he's talking to anybody, oh, yeah. he does the same thing I do. He says, hey, look, here's why you ought to be in Tennessee. Right. And, and it really it kind of blows. You know, some of these businesses. Well, there's mine. only
1: two states that are no state income tax, Florida and Tennessee. Right? Well, and Is there others.
2: But it's not It's not just not having an income tax. Right. It's it's cutting the inheritance tax where it's gone now. It's right. cutting the whole income tax. It's cutting all these other taxes. And then managing. Well, what about capital and, then managing? Gains and things like Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, see, we've cut. Everything down, mm-hmm. and so. But at the same time, we continue to run surpluses every year because what we do is we underestimate the amount of money that we think will come into the budget. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a novel idea! I mean, yeah, you think exactly. you're going to get less money than you do. And well, then it's you easy run to surplus. do when
1: you haven't gone uh, off the deep end. But mm-hmm. there are
2: states that are so far off the deep end, they're never going to be able to do that. Well, but if you spend the money that you have in the bank instead of the money you're just kind of sort of hoping, in the best case scenario, comes in, then you continue to maintain that's a good Washington mathematics discipline. right there, buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We are talking with William Lambert.
1: He is the uh, district state rep for uh, 44th district here in Sumner County. And uh, we enjoy talking. We're going to talk a little bit more about this, this uh, opportunities in Tennessee and Sumner County, uh, along with some other items here in just a few minutes. We're on Sumner County Spotlight, brought to you by FM Bank at uh, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard. And we'll be back right after these messages.
0: FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlight. FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard, Hendersonville. FNM FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlight. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com.
1: Welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight this Sunday morning, and we are uh, sponsored by F and M Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard, and also myfmbank.com, dot Talking with William Lamberth, the district representative, forty fourth district in Sumner County this morning. And um, William, what? So we, we had talked, and, you know, it's it, it's so big and so complex. Sometimes it's hard to get your arms around it. But so with all of the growth and the people moving in, how are how are things changing mm-hmm. really?
2: Well, I mean, I, I think it's it's interesting. I mean, it's definitely larger. I mean, there's definitely more people um, in Sumner County. But I have found that, and again, just from my family being here for generations, that the I think the tone and the character of Sumner County has really not changed all that much. Yeah. Um, you still have, you know, there, there's definitely an agricultural feel to Sumner County. I mean, our farmers, our small business owners are still what's most important is to to us here. And though combined with that, I mean, our, our really our residential communities have grown, and there there are more of everything, so to speak: more restaurants, more retail, more factories, more businesses. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't consumed us so that we've lost our character. I mean, at least right. that's what what I've observed is that the growth has been nice and steady. And we've been able to maintain who we are. And that, that can't be said for every community out there um, where they really kind of keep a hold of their roots while still growing from that.
1: So um, the bigger uh, population centers in a state, uh, Leuse, Illinois is a great mm-hmm. example. You know, everybody, it's the big sucking sound from the Northeast where Chicago takes all the money. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that affect having Memphis and Knoxville and Nashville here uh, our rural counties like Sumner? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, we, we pretty I mean, much you you have to fight that- to. You know, yes.
2: stay on the radar? Well, I, I, it's interesting you say that because that absolutely is what I have done um, in the seven years that I've been blessed to represent our community here is to make sure that in any discussion um, that Sumner County is at the forefront of those discussions. I want to make sure that we're getting our fair share or more of the roads and of the ec of the economic development investment and of the educational dollars and everything else mm-hmm. because we are a good bet for the state of Tennessee. I mean, you know, for for taxpayer dollars to be poured into Sumner County, Tennessee is going to benefit from Sumner counties' growth. Because again, we grow steady, we grow wisely, we don't grow beyond our means, and that's something we do as a state very, very well. But here in Middle Tennessee specifically, um, that's where our real economic engine has been for Tennessee Mm -hmm. over the past really Eight to ten years. Um, it's been Middle Tennessee. Memphis is starting to come back and it's doing better than it was, but for several years, Memphis was really declining in population. Mm-hmm. Nashville has now passed the Memphis area yep. as the largest city in the state. Chattanooga actually has one of the best small business development centers in the in the southeast. Um, doing well, a really, it's also really becoming a huge tourist thing. They have. They've yep. really worked yep. that
1: angle because it's not that far from Atlanta, mm-hmm. not that far from Nashville, not that far from Knoxville. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was pretty smart, I think.
2: Oh, it's great. And then, of course, you've got Knoxville that has, you know, you and everything else, and mm-hmm. it is definitely booming, but but beyond your big four, what we have have tried to continue to focus on, and I, I feel like we've successfully done this, is that in years past, um, and, and really, I think when the legislature went through uh, a change from Democrat to Republican control, and now a supermajority of Republicans in the House, Senate, and of course, the governor's mansion... Um, people wondered, well, will this be the shift in Tennessee where urban versus rural, you know, kind of how will that mix happen? And I actually think we've balanced that very well, even though your two largest urban centers are primarily represented by the minority party. Mm -hmm. um, We still care about those urban centers just as we do our rural centers because we need the entire state to be healthy. Um, So what's good for Nashville, so to speak, is good for Hendersonville, is good for Westmoreland.
1: And as long as the representatives of the larger urban areas understand that, because there are a lot of agriculturally-based counties, and with your agricultural background, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that you're probably good brethren with some of these counties that are in the middle of nowhere, Mm -hmm. they're barely on the radar, and you're like, hey, I got you, I understand what you're doing.
2: Well, and the good, the good news about that is is there's an opportunity for growth there as well. But, again, the character of those counties is what we have to respect and make sure that you're not trying to plop down you know, um, a factory in the middle of a rural area it's, that it's needs to hire 10,000 people. It's not I mean, one it's size just, fits exactly. all. Yeah. Whereas that might fit very well in Spring Hill, so to speak, for GM, but mm-hmm. it, it's not going to fit very well in, in a rural area. But but that rural area may be the perfect place um, for Tyson to invest in, and mm-hmm. for someone else, or to have you know the type of investment that we had at one point with dairy farms and cattle farming right. and hog. Let farming. alone the workforce and what their what their strengths are. So what we've tried to do is to make sure you know for the for the better part of thirty years, and and not to get too deep into this, but we've been talking about education the whole time, and we've talked about both owner and off air kind of our backgrounds. And the entire time I was going through my educational journey. I mean I I went pro in college. Okay, I mean mm-hmm. I did five years at UT, three years at law school, and, and I'm an attorney. That's what it took to be an attorney. That's what I did. But for 30 years, we lied to kids, and I hate to use that word, but we just did as a state and as a country, yeah. and we said, look, if you will go off to a four-year school and get a college degree, you're going to make umpteen more, million yep. more dollars than your you peers. Know, I
1: think people are starting to get
2: that. They, well, they, they understand it. Because so, you know what,
1: one thing, not everybody's cut out for college. They're just not. I have a daughter I never thought she, she went to college sort of reluctantly got a degree in something mm-hmm. she's never going to use. Never did, loves being a mom, loves raising two kids, but you know, we, we just kind of knew it, but it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't the thing you did. You didn't accept that as an answer. It was like,
2: you're going. Exactly. But what we did is for really one and a half to two generations, um, we led these kids down a path that wasn't for them. And so when when you say not everybody's cut off for college, it's actually that we only need about 25 to 30 percent of those that graduate high school to go to a four-year college. Now, we need like 60 percent of them to go to a two-year school or a TCAD to get a vocation, you know, to get an actual certificate and and to get something beyond high school. So what we've done in Tennessee is really unique in the nation, and, and it will keep us at the front of the pack for generations to come so we we have the lottery and i mean you know you agree disagree with the lottery either way i mean it's out there it brings in hundreds of millions mm-hmm. and it brings in actually a surplus yeah. beyond what it was originally designed for for you know college scholarships primarily i mean that's that's what most of the was. Anyway well do. and
1: if i'm not mistaken this is one of the better lotteries as far as participation oh, yeah. it's, it's made money whole, every year you know every contiguous state mm-hmm. around us it, they couldn't hold a candle to it.
2: Yep, and, and you're never going to see me in the paper as having won the lottery because my understanding you have to buy a ticket in order to win. Yeah, so exactly. I, I'm probably not going to win. But we had a surplus in that lottery fund of you know 300 million plus dollars, and under Governor Haslam and with the legislature uh, during my first couple of years down there, we created the Tennessee Promise Program. And what yep. that is is that you know any child in Tennessee that wants to can go to a Tennessee College of Applied Technology or a community college like Ball State for free. Doesn't cost them a dime. They just got to put in the sweat equity for it. That's
1: a heck of an incentive.
2: Oh, it's fantastic. And so, what we've got now is we've got kids that are 4.0 kids that are getting great ACT and SAT scores that are going to Ball State, which used to be their fallback school. I mean, if they couldn't get into the four year school of their dreams, they'd go to Ball State and get their grades up or, you know, get a little, you know, not so experience. much anymore. No, not anymore because these yeah. kids aren't dumb. Mm-hmm. They're smart. They can do the math. They can yeah. go to Ball well, for free for two, two years with and save a pile 50 debt,
1: Or I can learn a trade for absolutely nothing. Or get the first two years of a four-year degree. Mm-hmm. Um, or even right, get a two-year right, degree exactly.
2: that leads into a job. And there's a lot of white-collar classes in there as well. Yep. yep absolutely. right. So that's where we're headed now. And then, and then also carry so, so. a bill that allows for those that went off to school, like a lot of folks that I know that did one or two years, life got in the way and they didn't huh. finish, they can come back with the ReConnect dollars and finish their degree for Free.
1: How is the higher education places uh, feeling about this? I'm mm-hmm. sure you're getting some pushback uh, well, from the four-year universities. So here's the beauty of it. Um, there, there's something for everybody. Mm-hmm. Just, yep. Again, it's that, why don't we customize some things instead of, well, i got to go there. Yeah. Why? Because
2: that's what you do. It's not a one-size-fits-all. <laughs> mm-hmm. So by and large, they, they have accepted this change. Um, and... Part of the reason they accept that change is because we in the legislature um, actually do decide what their budgets are going to be. And so they don't have I much see. of a choice. I, see. I mean, it's good public policy. And our four-year schools, we set their budgets. We set the policy. We allow them to run their schools however they want to for the most gotcha. part. Gotcha, But we're going to set the budgets in whatever's best policy for the state of Tennessee and for our students well
1: water always finds its level so it may be an actual benefit to the bigger four-year schools that hey you're not going to have to do as much financial aid. Why? Because these folks are a little better off
2: and can mm-hmm. afford that and
1: are okay with having some debt or, you know, who knows mm-hmm. how this will all... But uh, even if it
2: wasn't necessarily beneficial for one four-year school or this four-year school, mm-hmm. if it's beneficial for Tennessee, if it's beneficial for Tennesseans, mm-hmm. then what we do at the legislature is we make the decision we push forward. Now, our, again, our four-year schools have been very supportive of this, and they have adjusted to the new norm. Well, it's good that they're working but, with you But on they it, kind of have so. to. Yeah, I mean, because, I you. again, you know, we, we set what those policies are on what's good for all of Tennessee. And I I, I emphasize that because I'm very proud of the fact that we didn't allow um, different little turf wars or anything else to kind of dictate how we did this. because that could have gotten ugly. Oh, absolutely. What we did is we just said, look, what's the best way to make sure that these kids that are coming out of school and these adults that are already out there that need some additional training and education can get what they need to get A full time career job. I mean, a job that has upward advancement. Don't force them into
1: something they don't really want or need. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So, but I mean, you know, really start as early as elementary school. And identify the strengths that someone has and the weaknesses and what their desires are and goals are, and and help mold that child down a career pathway where they get out of of whatever level education that they are and they're competitive in the job market. And hopefully they have a highly skilled trade that they've learned Mm -hmm. that that is mobile within the job market. And what I mean by that, and the reason I repeat it is because if say um, your employer lets you go or they downsize or something happens to them, they run their business reckless and it goes out of business. Right. If you have a marketable trade, you just go down the street to the next guy because yeah. they're gobbling you yeah. up as soon as you're gone. Yeah. And at, at, at the same or a higher salary. You've got employers fighting over you instead of, you know, putting your resume out Looking there a hundred different places just yeah. begging for a job. So that's what we're trying to do is to make sure that that really the, the that it's a lifelong educational journey so that adults that are out there can come back into the educational system, get the skills and education they need to get those good paying jobs that are coming to this area and that kids that are coming out of high school are really pursuing. And the last thing I'll mention on this, I'm I'm so proud of Sumner County because again, we've done things here that other counties have not been able to um, through just kind of a partnership and team effort. You know, Vol State actually has about 50 high school students that finish their last two years of high school at Vol State and they get out and they've got a two year degree already finished Two weeks before they finish, they're ready to cook, huh? Well, that really does improve
1: our workforce and our opportunity Mm -hmm. to attract more business by doing that. Absolutely, that's really cool.
2: So you mentioned earlier, like you know, businesses coming in. What you know, where does that kind of hit a tipping point? On you know, they come to Tennessee and say, oh goodness, you guys have three percent unemployment. We're never going to find any employees. We yeah, but at the same time, we are churning out folks that have a very high level of skill. And, and we're trying to be very nimble about that because that's another thing about the four-year schools. They're great schools, but they're stuck in kind of yeah. a, a set pattern. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, any, any
1: uh, legacy business would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to talk a little bit about your majority leader. And uh, we want to maybe talk a little bit about that job and and how that's uh, a little different and um, how you ended up there. And Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to come in for our last segment here in just a moment. We are on Sumner County Spotlight. We appreciate you joining us, and we appreciate F&M Bank being our sponsor today. Brought to you uh, every week by FNM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard. We'll be back with more of the program in just a moment.
0: Sumner County Spotlight, brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, will return after these messages. FNM Bank, serving Middle Tennessee since 1906. Visit them at myfmbank.com. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com.
1: And we are talking with William Lambert this morning, the state representative for the 44th District right here in Sumner County on Sumner County Spotlight, brought to you by f and Bank. And William, we're here in our last segment, and uh, you're a majority man. You're the main man. So tell me how that came about. You get voted on by your peers and... Mm-hmm.
2: So. so, the way that works in Nashville, and, or and, did you and miss a meeting? And now you're the guy. <laughs> no, no, no. So uh, the way that works in Nashville, I mean, look, my my first responsibility is is still as our state representative here in Sumner County. I mean, you know, we um, mm-hmm. that that's my first responsibility. So that never changes. Down, though, that never changes. And um, and that's what when I bounce out of bed in the morning, especially you know, when session, when we're in session, which is usually January through May, that's the only thing I'm thinking is you how got can Sumner I be in Sumner the brain, County, baby? You got it. And 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 that's that's an exciting thing to do. Um, and, and as part of my role there, I mean, I've, I've done, you know, several different things and carried, you know, some piece, pretty big pieces of legislation uh, during my time in Nashville and chaired the Judiciary Committee, and specifically criminal justice for four years down there um, and was honored to have, you know, to, to, to be tapped to do that during my second term. Um, and this last year, um, I talked to several of my friends and, you know, we do have um, different leadership um, roles uh, within both the Republican and Democratic caucus. Mm-hmm. And I, again, prayed about it and had some friends of mine that mentioned that they thought that I should run for majority leader. And the majority leader role really handles You kind of understood them. it by then because you've been there a little oh, yeah, while, right? Absolutely So you not, knew what you were getting into. Been there six years, yeah. and, I, and I really felt like um, what what was missing a little bit just within kind of the leadership team um, and looking at the different folks that running for leadership was somebody that was going to focus just exclusively on good policy. Um, and it's not that everybody down there doesn't focus on policy, but f- some folks gravitate more toward politics. Uh, some folks gravitate more toward the fundraising aspects. Mm-hmm. Some folks gravitate more toward constituent services and just, you know, anybody that calls in really try to jump on that. And, and, and then there are some that kind of do a little bit of all of that, but we have strength and weaknesses in every area, right. as we've talked about in other things. Well, for me, I really like working on, on good policy. I want to make sure that the intricate aspects of how the law works together benefits the citizens of our state. Mm-hmm. And so that's a lot of what the majority leader does. And so I felt like, uh, again, I, I, you know, we attend First Baptist Church. In fact, when this program would be playing, we'll probably be sitting uh, <laughs> listening to Brother Tim Colovis at, at First Baptist there in Portland. Um, but I, I genuinely felt like God had positioned me in a way um that that was something that I should pursue and mm-hmm. and I am glad to say that go we've gone through some turmoil over the past few months well I was and, just going to say um you
1: know not to get into the ugly details well, but it's fine. there's been a lot of drama there mm-hmm. um and do you sort of bring that s- stable look, look we want to avoid drama right now well and that,
2: that's exactly um that's exactly it i mean and that was a large part of why mm-hmm. again i ran for majority leader It's not exactly I wanted uh, to be it,
1: it's not a good look for everyone that that works there
2: really well, I, I will you know. say this. We've got 73 members in the Republican caucus, and as we went through you know, leadership changes and everything in the last mm-hmm. few months, I wanted to be the guy that was just standing still. That was just like, yeah. you know what? I ran to be majority leader because I wanted to work on policy. I wanted to be there for my fellow Republicans Well, not and unlike the governor.
1: It was almost like you know, kind of flying below the radar, and then here he goes, you know, because mm-hmm. he didn't get into all of that. Um, like him or don't like him, I get it, but... The reality is sometimes that slow, steady wins the race, and that's a great
2: example of it because I think that surprised a bunch of people. Certainly on the national level, it did. Mm-hmm. Well, and that that's – I mean, I, I'm proud to say that we have a phenomenal governor, and that is another aspect of being majority leader. Again, it's a, a policy-oriented type position. Um, I carry all the legislation for the governor. The governor is not a member of the legislature, obviously, mm-hmm. and so for him to get a bill filed, um, it goes through our office. So, I mean, I, I actually sponsor all that legislation. The assistant majority leader uh, signs on and assists with that. And we both work very closely together um, on the and, and really even before the bills are filed, work with the governor's office to make sure that that's something that we as a caucus, the Republican caucus, would support as well. Right. Uh, so how do, does it the, work?
1: Similar to the like the national level, where you have the whip or, or people that are hustling to, to to you know get people signed on and all of that. Is it is it a similar sort of it, lay of the it's land? Similar,
2: um, but on a on on either smaller side, scale, uh, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah. And and uh, and again in Tennessee. You know our constitution requires that the the bill only deal with the sections of the code that it opens up, and so if it's not within the caption, we hear people okay. talk about the so caption. So it's not like all kinds of stuff thrown in. Exactly. You can't have yeah. a bill that's like you know Frankenstein's monster, of just like eighteen different nationally? things. <laughs> oh, it'd be fantastic. So, but I, but I am glad to say that you know we, we have a governor that I absolutely love working with. He's a good friend of mine, and and he's a, a just a good conservative. Christian family man who what you see publicly is exactly what you see privately. He's just a good man. And and a good person, and it just um, so that has made being majority leader um, a lot easier to have somebody as a partner in the governor's office. And then Jack Johnson, who's the majority leader in the Senate, uh, worked very very closely with him. And then part of being majority leader is also negotiating with the minority leader. Uh, Karen Camper is the, mm-hmm. the 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 Democratic leader, and so and how the long minority has she been party. In the, you were uh, in she, six
1: seven years before you did it. And- she
2: was in. I think she came in either. Two years, I think, before I did, she's been there a little bit longer than I have.
1: So you guys um, have probably known each other quite a while. We have. And, I, and I'll tell
2: you, Karen's kind of the same way I am. I mean, mm-hmm. we deal with issues. Neither one of us, you know, get real worked up or emotional about well, it. Well, that's
1: a good thing because that's all it is right now, uh, yeah. at least uh, nationally. So, Well, not for us, though. You I mean, know, because you okay. have yeah, reasoned people. Everybody... Look, we all live in the same place. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. You know. Well, and, and I tell people all the time, I mean, you know, neither party has a monopoly on good ideas or good people. Mm-hmm. Um, there there are, there are good people that I know that are Democrats. I disagree with especially their national party platform. I disagree yes. with um, some of the tenets of what their party stands for. But that doesn't mean that I think that they're a horrible person just because right. they disagree with me. Well, and, and I think and that's what way, we need to I mean, get you know, back to. Uh, you know, it would be nice to keep setting that example. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. I actually ran into uh, – uh, a guy that I know here in the community, and and we're always friendly with one another. We we don't mm-hmm. spend a ton of time together, so right. I, uh, but we're always nice to one another and respectful. And uh, this gentleman mentioned the other day. He said, "Oh, hey, how are you doing?" And I said, "You know, doing fine." He said, "Y'all working a lot of stuff." And he said, "I probably disagree with everything you voted on." Yeah. And I listed off several of the things that we have worked on this year. And he said, "Well, no, actually, I agree with every one of those things." <laughs> and and that's what <laughs> well, that's it's how never as bad, the bad as the
1: media says mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. and they all know that, and that goes for nationally too, but. It doesn't well, sell newspapers. It doesn't, yeah. you, know, the, the, you know, I always like to say it was a lot better. People still hated you before social media. You just never heard about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well, that was the well, nice thing about not having social media. No matter how nice you try to be, there are people that are just not going to like you. Before, they just didn't have a platform to, you know, blab about it.
2: So. Absolutely. Well, and with, you know, all of that being said, uh, most of what we do downtown, again, be it Democrat or Republican, urban or rural, a good, good vast percentage of what we do. Um, is bipartisan, is good for both the urban and the rural areas. There are different things that we disagree on, and those disagreements are healthy. Um, Just yesterday, there was a man that, that, you know, that passed away named Reggie Tate. He's a Mm -hmm. former senator, Mm -hmm. and Reggie was a a Democrat. Mm -hmm. Reggie was a partisan. There's no doubt about it, but I've never seen Reggie the entire time he was down there treating anyone poorly. Right. Um, He always was very kind to people. If he if you disagreed with somebody, it was in an agreeable fashion, yeah. and I, I've tried always to do that um, because it's not just. I mean, if you disagree with someone, it doesn't mean that somehow or another because they have a different perspective on something right. that you. have to By the to way, hate you them. may
1: need them down the road, you know. So you better keep these well, relationships going. Because I think uh-huh. you know when people forget that if you do something one way only, it always comes back to bite you. Mm-hmm. Always. It didn't matter if it was healthcare on a national level. If it was all one sided, guess what happened. Half of it got dismantled afterwards. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen. So it does work better if you can get some buy-in from Democrats, from you guys,
2: and vice versa.
1: No question well, And I'll give it.
2: you an example. I mean, this year in the, the first budget and, and another role of the majority leader is I actually do sponsor the budget uh, and all the budget documents that are, that are associated with our $38.6 billion state budget. And I will say this is one of the most conservative budgets um, that I've ever seen. And we, we made the largest investment in the Rainy Day Fund, getting it up to about $1.1 billion because we're mm-hmm. in good time. Now, but we won't always be in good times, right? So you save money when things are going well. You don't yep. try to save it when, when things exactly are right, you know, going badly. Uh, so, you know, we, we're, we had a very good budget this year, but along the lines of, you know, folks working well together, the budget passed the house floor unanimously. Um, I mean, absolutely. (laughs) It could be a first in the country. I don't know. (laughs) It was just fantastic. And and there were so many other bills that passed with strong, strong support on both sides of the aisle because they're simply good ideas that benefit Tennesseans. Right. Well,
1: I was going to say, the good thing about passing unanimously a budget bill is that everybody is watching your dollars carefully. And Mm -hmm. if it doesn't send any message, at least it sends that one. And it's hard to be against something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We appreciate you taking the time this morning, William. William Lambert, the 44th District Representative. State of Tennessee and Majority Leader in the House. We appreciate you taking the time. Tony, thank you for having
2: me. Really, really appreciate it. And again, uh, glad you guys have your offices down here on the streets of Indian Lake. Again, just a beautiful place here. And just very nice visiting with you. And and for all those listening, thank you for the honor and privilege of allowing me to serve you. All right. Thank you very much, William.
1: And uh, we are going to wrap up our program now. We appreciate the sponsorship of F&M Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard and their gorgeous building there. Or you can visit them online at myfmbank.com. We're going to be back again next week with another wonderful guest here on Sumner County Spotlight. 10 a.m. Sunday morning right here on the new WHIN.
0: Sumner County Spotlight has been brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. Whether you need personal banking, banking for your business, or even home mortgages, FNM Bank can provide you with excellent service right here in Sumner County. Visit them today at myfmbank.com. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.